At the end of the Gemara Tainus, we learn about the great festivals of the Jewish calendar, the lesser-known festivals, the 15th of Av and Yom Kippur, and how the Jewish women or the women of Jerusalem used to go out. And they used to say all kinds of very intriguing things that get us thinking about what actually is the value of a Jewish person. Shtayta Mishnah Seif Masechus Tainus says in the Mishnah End of Tainus, Omer Abishim Gamriel, Rabbi Shimon Gamliel says there were no greater festivals on the Jewish calendar than the 15th of Av, Ukiyom HaKippurim and Yom Kippur, Shebohein B'nais Yisholoyim, on those days the daughters of Jerusalem, V'yashkarsin and B'nais Yisrael, or another version says all of the Jewish girls, Yoytzes B'chlei Lovan Shi'ulin, they would go in borrowed white clothing, V'choyles B'chromim, they would dance in the vineyards. Umahoyu Oimre says the Mishnah, what would they say at that time? They would turn to the boys and say, Bochur, Young man, have a look, raise your eyes, and see what you're going to choose for yourself, obviously, in the implication as a wife. Don't look for beauty. Look at the integrity of the family. And then they would quote from the words of Grace is false and beauty is vain. Rather, the woman who fears God, that's who you should praise. And the Pasuk also says, Give her the product of her hands and praise her or praise her deeds amongst the gates. Okay, so it's a very interesting mission. We have to understand number one. The only Pasuk quoted over here is about not focusing on beauty, which is one of the things that they said. Because it's all falsehood and vain. But there's no pasuk that speaks about the other things they said, which was Look at the integrity and the value of the family. In fact, the only thing the pesukim speaks about is the greatness of the individual. The fact that she's a God-fearing woman. Praise her deeds. That's her own personal spiritual achievements. Doesn't speak about the, the family. So how come you have a Mishnah that says that the women would proclaim that you should look at the value of the family and then not bring a pasuk to to support that? Bayes, the other thing that's interesting is the implication of the Mishnah is that every single girl of Yerushalayim went out and said this. Now how is it possible? Surely some of those women were not of a of pedigree. So, how could they say, look at our family? What family? You don't have a family. Your family's nobody. The question that gets even stronger because that's the Mishnah. Then the Gemara quotes a Brisa. In the Brisa, if the Mishnah state, and that Brisa says that there were actually three groups. As your faith, the good looking, the pretty girls would say, look at our beauty. Those who came from important families, they would say, look at our families. The so-called ugly girls would say, marry for the sake of heaven. Now that tells us, as that the only people who said, look at family, were the people who came from important families. So how could the Mishnah then have said so broadly, all of the girls would all say, look at the family. There's a huge debate up here. There's a huge contradiction. Okay, so we're going to try and see some of the commentaries. So the commentaries try and say, look, if you read the Mishnah carefully enough, you'll actually see that all three groups are alluded to in the Mishnah and then they're spelled out in more detail in the Brisa. So let's try and see how that works. This is how they read it. The word son when they open up by saying, raise your eyes and see what kind of a girl you'd like to choose to marry. So they're saying, the Mephoshim is looking to your faith for you. So that was the good looking girls. Look at us. Look, look. That's all. You, just stop there. Look, that's all you've got to do. And that would fit with how the Brysa spells it out that the primary reason a person marries a woman is for her looks. And when the Mishnah tells us that they, that they said, don't look at beauty, but look at the family, who was speaking at that point, said the Mephoshim, those who came from good families. And then those who were ugly because they didn't have family pedigree and they didn't have physical beauty, 
So what do they have? No, employees, my symptom, and they only have good deeds. So they'd be the ones who said, that everything is vanity and falsehood, don't look at beauty. But rather, it's the caliber of the woman herself, her character, her spirituality, her fear of God. That's what you should look at. And therefore, praise her deeds. And that would be echoed in what the Brisa says, marry for the sake of heaven. If we go with this approach of the of the commentaries, so we also deal with the original question, which is because now the Mishnah is not bringing psukim to support what was said earlier in the Mishnah. It's a different statement made by a different group of girls. But that pierces Omanit Galactic. It's not an easy interpretation to accept in Pashtus Lashayna Mishnah. If you just want to read the Mishnah in its simplest form, vile for a few reasons. Aleph number one. Von Stimas Lashayna Mishnah. The fact that the Mishnah just said open ended. Benois Yushalayim. The girls of Jerusalem went out. Umar, Hoyu, Oimris. And what did they say? Is Mashma as Alts for State Vaiten. The Amira von Benois. Is the Amira von Benois Yushalayim. Stam Aleph. That implies that whatever is recorded in the Mishnah is what everybody said. So it's a stretch to suggest that the Mishnah is actually talking about three different groups when it did not apply that. And we'll, we'll actually spell that out. Let's say that actually the Mishnah was speaking about three different groups and what they were trying to say aligned with the Brisa. Why would the Mishnah select these specific details to share? Why wouldn't the Mishnah say things that are much more similar to what the Brisa said? In fact, logically, it would make sense to do the exact opposite of what the Mishnah has done. If you think about it, the Mishnah, which is... Um, um, the Mishnah, as the Rambam describes, is succinct and contains much information. So if that's the, the approach of the Mishnah, then what the Mishnah should have done is gotten to the core message of each of the three statements. In other words, it should have said, the beautiful girl said, look at beauty. Those who come from pedigree would say, look at the family. The ugly ones would say, Choose us for the sake of heaven. That would have been the most succinct way of the Mishnah expressing three different groups. And then on the Brisa, because the nature of a Brisa is to add a lot more information, so the Brisa could have then added Zodenoch Mosef Zainef the Mishnah, the Proteho Amira, the details. Raise your eyes. Don't look at the beauty. So the beautiful girls say, Look at us. The girls from good family say, Don't look at them. And the ugly girls say, rather focus on behavior. If this would have been the approach, that the Mishnah would have given us the succinct summary of each of the three perspectives, and then the Brisa would have fleshed it out, that would have would have clearly shown us that through three different groups with three different statements. Because the Mishnah did not do that, the Ribbah is Mistabat to learn the Mishnah. The most logical way to learn our Mishnah is as Ma Hoyu Oimrois. And when the Mishnah introduces the, the, the whole conversation by saying, What did they say? That must be something everybody, all the different groups of girls said. Whatever is in the Mishnah was said by all the girls. And then, on the Brisa is Moshe Fev de Mishon Meforet. Then the Brisa drills down into details and says, as in Tsugov Tsudamira, Vasalab Nesi Shalayim Obin Gazokt, that over and above the opening statement that was said equally by all the girls, had yet their Sug Bazunda Tsug Gemenochan Amira, each particular group of girls then added a particular personal perspective, Vasis Behesen Tsudibonis Fundem Sugalain, which suited their group of girls. Now that's really important. Really important for us to know that the concept 
of the Mishnah is to give us a message that applies equally. And the concept of the Brisa is to give us a message that is unique to each of them. Now, before we start to explain it, some questions on the Brisa. Out of question number one. What kind of thing is this? That you have a group of girls running around in your Yerushalayim saying, look at beauty. It's a clear lesson in Torah instruction. We don't focus on these things. They are false. They are vain. Especially when you consider that these same beautiful girls have already said the opening statement that everybody says, don't look at the beauty. Because it's all false. The Because the Mishnah indicates that all the girls said that. So what's going on over here? Why would girls say, look at beauty? That's not a Jewish thing to say, not a Talmudic thing to say. And especially after saying, don't look at beauty. But another question. Okay, let's say that there is a value in marrying for the sake of heaven. So that means you have to dafka marry somebody who's ugly. So, as we've already seen, the Mephoshim point out that the so-called ugly girls are the people who have a lot of personal value because of their good deeds. So, what they're really saying is, marry us for the sake of heaven. That don't get distracted by family or by, by beauty. Now, boys, if you're a Shemaim, only focus on choosing somebody based on the caliber of who they are, of who they are. But that beer, but even that explanation isn't really clear. Let's think about it. Those people who say, "I come from a good family. Look at me. Look at the family." Surely, the greatness of your family is their spiritual heritage. Surely, that's what they were highlighting. We are good people. We come from good stock. As the Tosiyantav explains, that you have to assume that those people who come from good families must be people who have fear of heaven. So then surely choosing somebody because she's from a good family is also for the sake of heaven. So what's the big statement? Marry for the sake of heaven by marrying the ugly girls. You don't have to marry an ugly girl for the sake of heaven. You can marry a girl from a good family, and that could be for the sake of heaven. Now, before we can unpack and explain this, we're also going to identify that after the Gemara quotes this Brisa, the Gemara wraps up the, the Masechta, the Masechta by telling us a particular thing that seems to be completely unrelated, but it turns out is actually deeply related. After quoting this Brisa, the Gemara quotes a particular Amoira who said this statement. And that's the conclusion of the Masechta. And this Sikha is a Sim on Masechta, tiny, so you can see how it fits in. What does Ula in the name of Rabbi Ula Biro in the name of Rabbi Lozer say? In the future, the Abish is going to make a big circular dance for the Tzaddikim. And the Abish is going to sit in between them in Ganeiden. And everybody's going to point with their fingers. As the Pasuk says, always refers to the time of Mashiach. And that day, everybody's going to say, Here is our God. We have hoped for him and he saved us. This is the God that we had hope in and, and trust in. Now we'll celebrate his salvation. So what's the connection? The Shaykhs from the Maimut to the Mishnah is Fashlandik, but Pashtas, the most logical link between this statement of Ula Biro in the name of Rabbi Lazar and our Mishnah is because Behem Shech to Demos the Mishnah that sold as Bnei Shalom Yotzis Vechoilos. The Mishnah was talking about how the girls of Jerusalem would go out and dance. As Rashi says, the word means they dance in circles. In the, uh, in the vineyards. So to follow on with that theme, the Gemara talks about the great dance of the Tzadikim in the time of Mashiach. Great link, right? Surely there's got to be more. So it follows logically as the Kishur from the Maimah mit the Mishnah of Brisa. Surely the connection between this statement and our Mishnah and Brisa is not mitzad an einzig and prat because there's one common denominator: dance and dance, circles of dancing. 
As though in the Mishnah Brai, because both of them speak about dancing in a circle. There has to be a deeper link between details of that dance and details of this dance. The fact that Abisha sits amongst the yin. And the fact that and the fact that they point and acknowledge Hashem and they speak about Hashem, that's got to be linked. And we also have to add to this the fact that the Gemara quoted this particular statement of Ula right after the Brisa, which is not just about the scenario of the girls on Chamishas above, but specifically what they said when they were dancing out in the, in the vineyards. And the Gemara did not take a break from that and then analyze the word about dancing in a circle and then bring this, because there was some other method that would have been similar. As Mashmah, that implies as the Maimra Osid HaKadosh Baruch that statement about what's going to happen in the future, this great dance with Hashem, is linked to the details within the Brisa and the things, the three different classes of girls and their different statements. And before we put all the pieces together, one other thing that stands out and seems to be quite a, a, a nuance and turns out to be quite important. So we've just seen that this is a whole scenario of Mashiach coming and this big circle of all the tzaddikim dancing and pointing to Hashem who sits amongst them. And Rashi and Tosis comment on this. And you've got to ask themselves, well, why are you telling me information that surely is self-evident? Commenting on the words that say that the people are going to point their finger literally at Hashem is Rashi Mephorish. Rashi explains what's going to happen is people will point to Hashem and they will say the words of the Pasuk. This is the Abish that we put our hope in and he saved us. Toysvah says something similar. Every person is going to point to Hashem with his finger. As the Pasuk says, Look, here's Hashem. It's really, really strange. All of that information is already included in the Gemara. What are Rashi and Toysvah adding that we didn't already know? The Gemara said they're sitting there, said Hashem is with them, said they're going to point with their fingers, and said the words of the Pasuk. What have Rashi and Toysvah added to us? Shloimar. The answer is fascinating. As Rashi and Toysvah that there's actually a debate happening here between Rashi and Toysvah in the Pirish von die Verta and how to explain the wording in the Gemara. Shenemar, as the Pasuk says, Rashi is Meforish. Rashi's understanding of that moment in the Gemara is as the Gemara lent a rose from them gebrachten Posuk. Rashi sees that the Gemara is taking from that Pasuk, not only that people will be able to point, because Hashem will be visible, be able to point. Rashi says it's important for us to know, not only will they acknowledge Hashem with their hands, they'll acknowledge Hashem with words. They'll say what the Pasuk says. Hashem so look at what Rashi said. He adds words that are not in the quotation from the Gemara. Marebet's boy is in the Gemara. Rashi adds ve'oimer. Not only do they point, but they say ze Hashem chole. in other words, according to Rashi, as b'shastem mochol velenzayin beide inyonim. Rashi is telling us that at the time of this great dance, two things will happen. Aleph Marebe'etz boy. They'll be pointing to Hashem because it's so vivid for us. Be'ez ve'oimer ze'chulei. And there'll be a statement of acknowledging Hashem's salvation. That's Rashi. Teisvus disagrees. If dem zok teisvus. Kol echot ve'echot marebe'etz boy. Everybody's going to point at the Ebrister. Shenemar hinelikene ze'chulei. As the Pasuk says. Toysus leaves out the whole part of the Pasuk that says, and they will say on that day. Because their meat main Toysus to Klor Machen, wants to be clear as Aleph, number 
the Gemara is brought us in the Raya Shanema of Maria Kadosh Baruch Hu First, the Tosas wants us to know that in their view, the Pasuk is only there to prove how clear the vision of Hashem will be that you could point at Hashem. And the whole part about what the people will say has nothing to do with our discussion here. There's nothing to say at the time of that dance. Now, at this point, you should be asking a question. We need to understand. What's prompting Rashi and Toysus to have these two views? What's, what's the different perspective that Rashi and Toysus have that lead them to argue whether or not it's relevant that the people should say something about Hashem being present? So we have many moving parts over here. We're trying to understand why it is that beautiful girls will say, don't look at beauty, and then say, look at beauty. We're trying to understand why the only people who you could marry for the sake of heaven are the ugly girls. Why can't you marry the family for the sake of heaven? We're trying to understand why it is that the Brysa brings details that apparently we don't necessarily need. And why is this connected to the story of the dance that's going to happen in the time of Moshiach? And is it relevant whether the people are going to say anything about Hashem or just simply point at Hashem? The Bible calls there to understand all of this. We have to completely shift our understanding of what the girls were exhibiting about themselves at the time of Hamishah Sabah'av and therefore a perspective on how we're supposed to look at other people. Of course, when a person is looking to marry, it's when they look with a very discerning eye and we can derive from that how we're supposed to look at people generally. This is a movement of Pashat. It is absolutely self-understood as Das was in the fact that the girls went out in Yerushalayim on those holy dates is given an Indian from Kedusha had to have been a holy exercise. Is a movement from which you can obviously realize if it's a holy time and they're doing a holy exercise, they would not then be drawing attention to the materialistic assets. Yoifi, physical beauty. Ashiros, wealth. And other things like that. Kishelatzmon, in and of themselves. Whatever they were publicizing, advertising, was whatever the Torah would consider an appropriate reason to marry somebody. He has a very interesting example. The reality is there were girls who were very attractive and they would say, look at the physical beauty. But what did they mean by that? They were talking about the spiritual, real beauty. Because as Al-Tareb explains in Torah Oyer, human physical beauty or physical beauty in the world is purely a derivative of spiritual beauty. And now we get to choose. Do we only see the superficial or do we see the depth? Okiodua, we know this very well also from Tanya and other places. The fact that some children are born and they just look so beautiful. That is That is a result of parents who conceive their child in a state of purity. That gifts these children with tremendously beautiful garments for their soul on their fathers. And that influences their physical appearance to be beautiful as well. Now, when we're talking about these spiritual assets that these girls were speaking about, we can divide them into two categories. Each girl has her particular greatness that is unique to her. In addition to that, and then there's an overarching beauty and value that every Jewish girl shares. That is something that is passed down through the generations, person to person, and it's, it's part and parcel of what it is to be Jewish. And in the Mishnah and the Brisa, that's the distinction between the Mishnah and Brisa. In the Mishnah, 
The Mishnah addresses the overall shared value that every Jewish woman has. So the first thing is that every Jewish girl here represented by the daughters of Jerusalem has a beautiful spiritual value to her. As the Mishnah says, a woman who fears God and deserves praise. Every Jewish woman has that. Second of all, that beauty, that spiritual beauty is so entrenched in her as dos vetzich ibegeben zu die Kinder, welche sie hat und is mechanech. That she will then transmit that spiritual value to the children she raises and educates. This is Marubus in Sveit and Posig, was the Mishnah bringt. The Mishnah alludes there, and the Posig says, Tnu lo mi priodeho. Give her the benefits of her hand, vina lube shay maaseo, and praise her actions. In other words, it's not only her personal assets, they were already discussed through the whole peric. All of her personal assets is hitis alo, for which she deserves to be praised. She also deserves praise for the children she will produce. Physical children and spiritual children. Her actions. For that she should be praised. That's the Mishnah's message. The Mishnah's message is every single Jewish woman has huge spiritual value and she will transmit it to the next generation. And therefore, look at her and marry her. The Brisa says that's all true, and yet people are different. And we could speak about three different groups of people, each of which has a unique spiritual set of assets that is absolutely valuable and important. So, how can the Mishnah be so absolutely sure that every single woman, every single Jewish woman, has that solid spiritual goodness? And not only that, and it will be transmitted. The children, the girls, in the Mishnah's description address that. What do they say? Bachur. Young man, so no raise your eyes before you look at us. Don't look at the physical appearance, look at the family. Meaning, you cannot look at a person's values, even the physical ones and certainly the spiritual ones, with normal eyes. Don't just look at beauty in the breaking and moving for noi. With all the various things that beauty may represent physical beauty, beauty of character, spiritual beauty. You want to enter this process. You want to know how to understand another Jewish person. You want to determine who you should marry. First, you've got to raise your eyes. Which is quite similar to the Pasuk in Tinim. Raise your eyes heavenward. And then, if you look with a higher vision, you'll be able to see the creator of all things. Meaning, we have to look from a higher vantage point and with a deeper perspective. Which means, you've got to look not at the person, look at where the person comes from. Where do they draw their assets, their values, their greatness? From where? That's what the Mishnah means when it says that they would say to the boys, look at the family. Not if I come from an aristocratic family. Because in Brayton's in the broadest sense, family doesn't only mean parents and siblings. Family is anybody who has an influence over a person's spiritual development, which includes educators. We actually find many places in the, the language and the literature of our sages as they very, um, 
Als er werden bezeichnen und gerufen Eltern von dem Talmud und Mechunach, der Teachers are called parents. Genantem Levanecho, Elo Atalmide. Aber Frater bei Miyuchot, wie bald als Lishem Mishpoche, je Omer al Kol Haom, in fact, the word Mishpoche could actually refer to the whole family of the Jewish people. Dos vosies mishpachas Yisrael. The Mishnah is telling us that the girls would tell the boys the fact that this girl belongs to a Jewish family. Basora rifke rochovelea. She's a daughter of our matriarchs. Dimois. Von vemen sie hat bierusha ira idasha techunois. Therefore, she inherits those powerful spiritual genetics. On demult ven vetmen zen, and when you look through those lenses, you could see alef afir by azelch vosmen ba merk nitin zekem ayloruchnis. When you look through those lenses, you might meet somebody who doesn't openly and outwardly exhibit these great spiritual values. Is das nobichitzenis? That's the superficial. But when I'm looking through the right lenses, I can see who lies beneath the surface. Who is this person for real? Is in Suk von Isha Yiras Hashemiti Salol. This girl, like every other Jewish girl, is God fearing on the inside. Her neshama is connected. Even if right now it may be hidden from view. Not only that, but is noch mehr. Furthermore, as the M is kite from the Midas from Benayis Yisholim Bashteit Nit in Noi, the truth is that the greatness and beauty of Jewish girls is not what can be seen easily. Beauty, because whatever can be observed on the outside is actually false. The real greatness and value and beauty of the person is what they have familiarly, genetically, hereditary. Those are parts of what a person is on the inside and is transmitted from generation to generation to generation without interruption. So the Mishnah's message is, you want to go into this business of looking at a girl to marry or by extension looking at any other Jewish person? First, upgrade your eyesight so that you can see things as they are, not as they appear. And then you'll find that every single person has beauty within themselves, real beauty of the heritage of their Judaism. That's the overall picture. If them is the price and most of the price, then says, let's talk more details. Once we have already established the premise, look at the broader mishpocha, the heritage, the spiritual DNA of the person, and see that they are fundamentally good and valuable and spiritual and connected, see the essential value and good in every single Jewish girl, which makes her, like every other Jewish girl, a woman who fears God. Then in the praise of that individual girl, you can start to consider not only the deep inner value, even things that are more visible on the outside. Because now you'll know how to see beauty, family, etc. in the realest, healthiest, holiest sense. On the far gefindmen in the brayser, as yet the sukfin de pnois yisholoyim. That's why the brayser proposes that each group of the daughters of yisholoyim, atenocharis gisoks and protestikem mylehan niglis vaniras, would then spell out their personal unique value. So let's start. Yefeifios, the so-called beautiful girls. De pnois yisholoyim was mesef begilas eruchnis tikem mylehs. These are the girls who you can easily see. Oh, what a beautiful person! You can see the spirituality radiating from them. You can see the beauty of their nature, their character. That physical beauty is actually just an expression of spiritual beauty. On their fire, those girls could say, they can say, look at the beauty. They're basically saying, if you can see our spiritual value, great. That, that's a, a, tr- a tremendous value that we have, that the inside radiates out to the outside, look at that, appreciate that, embrace that. The next group was Miyuchosos, those who had pedigree, those who had lineage. If they're speaking about their family, that indicates that it's not immediately apparent that you see their spiritual value on the surface. 
But we build up as a stamma from Mishpachis Miyuchosis. But when you look at the history and you see that they come from very valuable, beautiful families. For Balei Toiro, Midas Toivo is people who were dedicated to Torah and had good character, Midur, Dur, through generations. Then you can be confident that they must have entrusted their daughter's education in such a way that she will continue with those values. And those girls will obviously educate their children in kind. And therefore these girls will say, maybe you can't see my spiritual values as clearly as the next person. So look at my family. They're basically saying, look at us. Look at our track record. Look at how we bring up our children. Look at the values we espouse and you know you'll be okay. But then you have Mechoy Oroiz. You have the so-called ugly girls, Azazug Benois Yisholoyim. What does that mean? It's a group of girls from Yisholoyim and Becham Azetni Malias Ruchnius, where you just simply cannot see any spiritual value. Not only can you not see it in them, you don't see it in their family. They didn't get the right inference necessarily from their parents, and it doesn't even look like they got it from anybody else. Which is why their spiritual side is unfortunately not too attractive, and that plays out in their appearance as well. We have to remember they are daughters of Yosholayim, who we said fundamentally in the bones, in the marrow of their bones, there's godliness. That means that the fact that they're conscious of their spiritual lack arouses within them a tremendous sense of humility, of so maybe they didn't have somebody in their history who was able to invest within them the great, beautiful advantage that the other girls have. They feel the lack so intensely that they dedicate themselves to, to do whatever Hashem wants. Which is why they actually make the most profound statement of all. Choose who to marry for the sake of heaven because that's where they're actually living. Let's do this for Hashem's sake. They're looking for partners in their lives who care about serving Hashem without all the frills and, 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 and bells and whistles. They're looking for purity. They're looking for honesty. They're looking for dedication because that's where they are in their own lives. Now a beautiful thing happens when they take this attitude and that attitude that they've taken of serving Hashem with absolute Kabbalah, soul, total dedication, that actually brings out in their experience, that they really do have the value of family. That's why the so-called ugly girls in the Mishnah also say, they all say, together with all the other girls, in Yerushalayim, they say, as the Mishnah tells us, look at the family. Because that sense of brokenness, that sense of despair almost, that this girl feels because I'm not where I need to be spiritually. The sensitivity to feel that way is a product of her connection to the family of Israel. It is because she's a descendant of our Imohois. Which is why she feels that it's the most bitter, terrible thing to be distant from Hashem. So the bitterness, the recognition of her lack actually brings out her deepest connection to her heritage. So there's a distinction we've now drawn between the Mishnah, which looks at the overall value of every single Jewish girl, and the Brisa that speaks about three different experiences of that value. As in the Mishnah, the Brisa, 
So you can actually see this now in the flow of exactly what is said in the Mishnah, what is said in the Brisa, what is said after the Brisa as well. The fact that everybody was dancing together, the fact that everybody was dancing together, that indicates a tremendous unity. Which is also part of the reason why they would wear borrowed clothing. So there was no, there was no hierarchy. There was no uh, one person greater than the next. And the is moving to Hemshech Mishnah. So with that we can see the flow of the Mishnah. We're talking about this amazing time of unity. So how does the Mishnah continue? The Pasuk tells us, Let the daughters of Tzion, which is of course Yerushalayim, go out and see the king Shlomo HaMelech. What's HaMelech Shlomo? Says Rashi, The king who is the king of peace. In other words, peace is his. What does that mean? Das is Dazbor. How do you have three divergent, totally different groups of girls have such amazing unity? How does that happen? Through a vision of Shlomo. They can have that experience when they are plugged into and linked into the king who owns peace. Who brings peace between all the different disparate groups of Jerusalem girls. Now let's understand that a little bit better. And the Achdus is a fun in the two possible ways that this unity could express and manifest itself. One possible way is They all share at their deepest core one common reality. The Mishpocha. They belong to the family of Jews. And therefore, at that point, they feel that from the outset, from the get-go, at our core, we are one. We're all daughters of Yerushalayim. There is no distinction. That's one possibility. And then there's another possibility. Even once we've identified the distinctions between these various schools and what each brings to the table, where they're not all of the same mind and of the same appearance. In them is each one is actually quite different. And yet and they still have unity and peace. Now there's two different realities, right? Break us down to our core and find that we're all the same. Or recognize our difference and still have unity. Those are the two perspectives of the Mishnah and the Brisa. In the Mishnah and the suits the style of Mishnah. The Mishnah looks at all of us as we are a singular entity. At our core, we're all one. Whereas the Brisa, which gets into much more detail and therefore identifies the three different groups of girls and how each one of them expresses herself, and the Brisa, in order to achieve that oneness, that unity, you don't have to lose yourself, lose your identity, lose your assets. You know, not to be aware of your assets, but to the contrary. In spite of the fact that you can actually identify difference, those are the attractive girls. Those are the girls from good families. These are the girls who seem to have nothing. And that's even when you've described, you've personally described your own assets. Even after they've identified, I'm this kind of girl, you're that kind of girl, they all join together in a single dance with absolute peace and unity. And when you know that, then that's why after that, that's how the, the Bryce now goes into this discussion about that David's going to make this great circular dance for the Tzadikim and everybody's going to point with their finger. What's the Gemara telling us? Each Tzadik will point at Hashem with his own finger. Meaning to say, he'll point out what he relates to in that revelation. Every tzaddik will be unique. And despite the fact that each tzaddik will have a unique perspective, depending on their particular experience and, and stature, they'll all be in one 
secular dance. Now, Proteus is in the second even from Sholem Ve'achdos. Now, we've discussed that the two ways that you could have unity, right? Either you just see the core and don't see the detail, or you see the detail and you still are able to unite. Well, that second approach has two parts to it. And we're going to look at it specifically from the fact that there's this great unity between all of the tzaddikim, in spite of the fact that each one points with a different finger, in other words, sees a different perspective of godliness. Alda, firstly. Obviously, every single tzaddik is unique, and every single tzaddik's experience and service of Hashem is different to the next tzaddik. But look at the setting. David is sitting with them. From David's perspective, the differences are not contradictions. Is so therefore the Abish is able to create this peace between all of them because the Abish doesn't see the conflict. As Allah that every single tzaddik with all of their diversity and uniqueness, because the Abishter is there. And the Abishter sees beyond the difference, therefore everybody could be united. Or there's another possibility base. Not just that in spite of their differences they could unite. But because of their differences, they can complement each other and therefore unite. Each tzaddik shares his experience and his perspective and his reality with the next tzaddik. Which brings all of the tzaddikim to one unified organism where everybody contributes. And that's the Chiddush from Rashi. That's what Rashi is telling us. Every tzaddik not only points, in other words, has his experience of godliness, but he says something about it. Rashi is telling us, not only will every tzaddik have their unique experience of visualizing Hashem, but they will share that experience with the next tzaddik to enhance the next tzaddik's experience. So you have this networked experience where everybody gets value out of everybody else, the ultimate unity. Whereas Toysfus comes from a different approach. Toysfus says it's just people pointing out their experience, not sharing it with the next person necessarily. They don't speak to the other tzaddikim. They're not influencing or sharing or complimenting the next tzaddik. Because Toysva says that there's this tremendous unity happening over there at the time of Mashiach in this great dance, but it's not a networked unity. What does that mean? So the Indian from Mochel, let's start off with the concept of dancing in a circle, which seems to be quite common in Jewish practice. In an eagle, the, the idea of dancing in a circle implies something that is infinite. There's, it's a loop. There's no beginning. There's no end. So therefore, when we're told that Debesh is going to make the circular dance for the Tzadikim in the future, in the time of Mashiach, it means as It effectively is telling us that the joy and the pleasure that tzaddikim will have in the time of Moshiach will have no limit. So yes, each tzaddik is going to point with his finger. Have his experience, which is relative to his understanding and his spiritual standing. But within his world, he'll experience the infinite dimension of his world, the so-called crown of his world, the so-called keser, the dimension of godliness that is beyond the system. In other words, each tzaddik will have an infinite experience of his own personal understanding or, or, or relationship with Hashem. And that's why Tosfus doesn't speak about a networked experience where you share your experience with the next tzaddik. Because you can only have a network when you're dealing with something shareable. You can only network with somebody else if what you have is ready and packaged and finite and can be shared. 
And that was getting out for its fate and When I'm ready to share, that means I acknowledge the fact that there might be somebody else who needs to be shared with or could share with me. But when you get to the core, to the root, to the essence of any dimension, at the essence of one reality, there is no consideration of the possibility of another reality. Therefore, Tosla says, each tzaddik is re- experiencing the essence of their experience of godliness. There's no room for anybody else. So what's the achdus? Because Hashem is great. And then the difference is he brings them together. But everybody's in their world. This fits with the saying of our chazal. What's going to happen in the time of Moshiach is each tzaddik will have his own canopy. And one tzaddik will be singed, burnt, by the chuppah of the next tzaddik. So chuppah is p'chinas pebesegel, makif. The idea of a chuppah is something which completely surrounds, encompasses you. Which, in our language, is de keser from dem tzaddik madrigosoi. The ultimate, supernal, uh, um, uh, what's the word, um, abstracted reality that's, that's outside of the system, the keser. So if I'm looking from that dimension, well then, each chuppah is self-contained. Each canopy is the essence of that tzaddik's experience. You come near it, you, you actually, you'll be harmed because it's not your world. It's not your reality. It's not relevant to you. But Rashi has the most incredible insight to this. That's only the beginning. The Nochobber, but later on in the unfolding of the Messianic Age. You'll have the ultimate unity, which is unity that can only be generated by Hashem's essence. Where the Abish is able to accommodate all contradictory realities together. When you're exposed to that level of Hashem's essence, Rashi says, we'll ultimately reach a point where everybody will be in the most intense version of their reality, the most beautiful version of their reality, and yet still be able to accommodate, relate to, and complement somebody else's reality. And that is the ultimate peace and ultimate achdus that in Hashem we should experience and we should be able to have Take care of Umiyad Mamash with the coming of Mashiach.